Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh, you heard the guy. Get ready for a wild and crazy ride on the crazy train this morning with Dan Bush and myself, Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is on the boards. And we're here for the next two hours, like we are every Saturday morning. And you can be part of the show if you like, if you got any questions or comments. All you got to do is call us at 414-799-1250. Or you can always email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Good morning, Danny. Morning, Tom. Morning, Sam. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Sam. Hey, how you doing today, Dan? Oh, I'm still half awake here. Whose idea was it that this show starts at 6 o'clock in the morning? Uh, that Saturday? was John's idea, I think. <laughs> was it? Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't, you know what, though? I don't, well, you don't mind getting up early, do you? You always get up early, right? Um, no, actually, I, I don't mind, although I have found that since I've been retired, I've started to get a little bit lazier in the morning than I used to be. You yeah. know, you start getting up later and later. You start brewing the coffee later and later. Oh, uh, yeah. What what does make it tough, though, is the fact that it's dark out right now. Yeah, and I It's know. so much nicer when the birds were, you know, you'd hear them chirping sometimes at 3.30 in the morning. They'd, oh, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, the, the ones yep. that were the overachiever ones that were, you know, the sun might just be coming up barely. Yeah. And, uh or moonlight or something would trigger them. They'd start chirping. You're thinking it's not even morning yet, but it was always a great way to slowly wake up is to hear the birds outside the window. Well, you know, I, I, I used to for, for oh, my goodness, I don't know how many years, 25 years, I don't know. I would get up at 5.30 every morning, except for that was during the week. And then Saturday morning, of course, I'd get up about quarter after 5 to do the show, and then... Uh, on Sunday, though, I got to sleep late till maybe about, you know, six thirty maybe. So, but not. But you're right. As I've gotten older and my wife and I are retired, I tend to sleep, a, you know, a little later. You know, so well, I guess that's not so bad. Not. You know, how about as far as like, uh, you know, for hunting and fishing though, uh, it's amazing how a guy can pop out of bed and rush off and do that especially in your younger years um you know where you could get up no problem if it was to go hunt or fish it's kind of like as a little kid on saturday morning you know uh monday through friday mom would have to come in and turn on the lights and and yell at us a bunch of times to get us moving 
but Saturday morning would come and as soon as you woke up, you'd be, at least I would be, running into the living room and turning on the cartoons. Well, you know, and, and I mean, it's early in the morning. All of a sudden you were wide awake then. So kind of a psychological thing, I guess. But Well, I know uh, even now uh, when I'm going to go fishing, oh, I, I jump right. As a matter of fact, I find it hard to sleep if I'm going fishing in the morning. You know, I find it hard to sleep, and it, usually the alarm doesn't have to go off. I'm looking at it constantly, you know, and so... Yeah, I have no problem if it's to go fishing, that's for sure. Have you ever had fishing buddies or hunting buddies that were unreliable in that they'd you'd say, okay, we're going to leave to go out on Lake Michigan, meet me at my place at 5, and then all of a sudden, you know, 5.30 you're getting a call. Uh, oh, yeah, overslept or, yeah, on the way or can't make it. Have you ever had, had friends like that? Well, only one. Um it, it and actually I kind of feel bad about it to this day, but you know I'm one of those people that I like to I'm I, I'm always on time. As a matter of fact, I'm always early, and I don't like it if people are not on time. Okay, and uh, I was going fishing one morning with uh, two of my brother-in-laws, and I told them I said you got to be at my house no later than five thirty. I'm leaving at 5.30. If you're not here, I'm leaving. And I told them that. We're leaving at 5.30. If you're not here, too bad. Well, guess what? 5.30 came, and one of the brother-in-laws was not there. And we waited till uh, probably an extra five minutes, till 5.40. And I said, okay, screw it. And we left. And I guess he showed up at quarter to six ringing the doorbell, waking up my wife, you know, where's Tom and, and the other guy? And she said, I don't know. He must have left. I don't know. So, you know, and then when I saw him, I don't know, or talked to him on the phone, it was a few days later. He says, well, what the hell did you do? Why would you leave? And I said, well, I told you I was leaving at 530. I said, we even waited an extra five minutes. And I said, if you're not there, I'm leaving. So he was upset for a while. He got over it. But I felt a little guilty, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I have a hard time. I have a hard time with that too. Now it's it's worse. It's worse if you leave your buddy out somewhere like in the middle of the night. I had I had my friends abandon me at Summerfest years ago. Oh, I um, told me about that. That was yeah, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, meet at the gate, and I was there at tw- at midnight, and it was like twelve oh five. I got there, and and uh, well, they'd been drinking a lot, and. So they, you know, they saw me talking to some girls. So they thought, ah, oh, yeah, screw him. He's he's off talking to these. Uh, let's get out of here. Um, so um, yeah, mm. that's worse. Leaving a man behind. But well, my as friend... far... oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. As far as far as the uh, the fishing and hunting thing now, I guess the advantage with the cell phone technology is you're going to get a text from your knucklehead brother-in-law, you yeah. know, saying yeah. on way. You know, that's what you, that's what you're going to get. Typically two words on way. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have had those texts before. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, uh, my, all my, my friends, my close friends know I'm always early. And one of my friends, when we would go uh, pheasant hunting, you know, I'd say, OK, I'll, or he'd say, meet me at my house at seven o'clock. Well, I was always there at quarter to seven. 
sitting out in the driveway having a cigarette, you know, coffee. And he, after a while, he learned that uh, if if he said to be at his house at seven, he was ready by quarter two or ten to seven. You know, <laughs> he didn't wait because he knew I'd be out in the out in the park, out in the what do you call it, waiting for him in the driveway. He knew I'd be I'd be waiting. And uh, but that's the way I've always been. You know, I've always been early for stuff. I, I don't know why. Well, my brother, he was smart. I in my younger years, I was always that guy who was. You know, mom said you'd be, I'd be late to my own funeral. Um, so, you know, I was always, always running late. And my brother, he wised up to this. So, like, if he wanted to leave at 7, you know, he'd tell me 6, 6.30. And, you know, I remember one time I showed up at his house and he's in bed with his wife sleeping yet. And I'm like, <laughs> well, what, what the heck's that all about? Um but then later he admitted, he said, well, I just tell you, you know, of course, I guess I'd left him hanging quite a few times where, oh, yeah, I, I frequently disappointed him back back in the day. So, well, my, I, oldest, uh, my oldest yeah. son, Chris, is like that. Now, if it's for fishing, he he's he's right there, right on time. I mean, he's never early. He's right on time. Exactly. But when it comes to anything else, like when we're having uh, the everybody over for dinner or something if we were if we're having dinner at five we tell him four thirty, and then he'll show up by five because he's always like that he's always late always late so so how about this week did you get out with either of your uh, sons uh, any fishing? Son, we were gonna go out sunday and then i forget did it rain on sunday or something came up and my son didn't go, but I am going tomorrow for sure with my grandkids. My, I'm going with my son Nick and the grandkids, and uh, my son Chris. I bet you he's going to call and he's going to want to go. And I want to say, too bad, I'm booked. I mean, I seriously, I'd rather go with the grandkids and let them catch perch and bluegills. You know, um, I'd rather do that. You know, because okay. it's a lot of fun. So, you know, talking about fishing this time of year. Um, you know, perch and bluegills, it's cool that you're still targeting those. Now, are you fishing shallow water yet or deep or where? No, no, we're, and... we're, we're still fishing. I mean, for the kids, we're just fishing shallow water. It's probably about five feet of water. And there's always a bunch of little perch and bluegills around. And the kids, they don't care what size they are. They're having fun catching them. You know, they're having fun watching that bobber go down. And, you know, I mean, they're just having a great old time. I mean, I, I mean do I really need to catch another bass? No. But I sure I would like to, and and as a matter of fact, that's what we do. After a couple of hours, the kids get a little tired and they want to have a snack, you know, take a break. So then my son Nick and I will cast for some bass for a little bit, you know, maybe about a half an hour to an hour, and then the kids are ready to go again. And then we go back to the spot where all the perch and bluegills are, and you know, let them catch those, you know, for another couple hours. So until they get tired, you know. Are you going to do any more bass fishing this fall? Oh, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Pat, bass and pike. Matter of fact, uh, I want to go to Nagawicka. My my oldest son and I have got to get out to Nagawicka really bad because uh, we always, every fall, we have good luck in a certain area where the pike start moving into the weeds at a certain depth of water, and uh, we always catch some really nice-sized pike out there. And, and Nagawicka's got some dandy perch big ones you know so 
we like to go after those too as well. Well, you know, I think fall, um, it can be a really good time for pike because I think a lot of the bigger pike start sliding into those weed edges and, well, um, and putting on a feed. And, if, and of course, we're, we're catching them once it ices up. Yeah, we're catching them in some of the shallower, shall, sure. at least early season, the shallower, weedy bays. So it stands the reason they're in there during open water season. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Mark, his brother, went up to Rowley's Bay uh, about, oh, I don't know, a week or two ago. And um, he didn't really get into the smallmouth, but there were some big pike in the reeds there. And he uh, he did, you know, target them with a spinnerbait, and he got a biggest was 37 inches which is a nice pike oh yeah so i think i think the late fall pike fishing uh is something that uh, people can take advantage of yeah well they start coming into those weeds and in that shallower water because the the perch move in every fall you know and the perch are in there thick so you know the pike are just following their food you know and so yeah it's it's a good time of year uh and spinner baits mep spinners um Sometimes, uh, uh, depending on how high up the weeds come, you can use something like a husky jerk, too, works well. But it all depends on how high the weeds are. But, you know, I, you mentioned MEP spinner and spinner yeah. baits. Over the years, Tom, I've kind of gotten away from the MEP spinners, and in more cases, it, most often, I'm using a smaller to mid-sized spinner bait and that seems to catch the smallmouth, the largemouth, the pike, everything. I'm not saying that the straight line MEP spinners still aren't fantastic, but it seems to me that the, the spinner bait is really the crescent wrench type of tool, type of bait that you can use and catch anything with. Well, I agree. It, it is. And, uh, but, you know, when I'm, when I'm targeting those big pike, then I'm either using the big spinner bait or, I mean, I'm not real big. I mean, it's a half ounce. But okay. I'm also using, uh, like, the MEPS Musky Killer um, because that's, you know, got a little bit bigger profile and I uh, want something a little bit bigger. But even on the MEPS, on the MEPS inline spinners, I still put that uh, twin teaser tail on the back. The split I, I, you know, I, twin? I cut it down the, a little bit, but I always have that on, too. That's what the split twin teaser tail, my, my cousin up in... Uh... Duluth there, he swears by that on the back of the Johnson Silver Minnow. A white oh, yeah. split yeah, you twin gotta have it on there. teaser to. tail. And it, who makes that? Is that Kalen's or what? No, who makes the that? ones I use are by Zoom. Z-O-O-M. Zoom. Yeah. The split, but there's several, you know, there's a number of different, you know. You know the, uh, the, I seen some by Bass Pro Shop, but they were not the way I liked them, that Zoom okay. makes them. And I have never seen another one, and I'm sure other people make them. I'm sure they do, but Zoom is the popular one. That's the one that I know of. So. Where do you normally find that at? Uh, Sherpers has them, or you okay. know, most of the bait shops have them. You can find them online on eBay or whatever. But uh, but Sherpers has them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, well, it's just... a Sherpers in Hales Corners. Let me say that. Yeah. You know that that's a tip, Tom. That you know something that's cheap and easy to add to your bait but it can make a difference and it's one of those things everybody should take advantage it stacks the odds in your in your favor because it definitely adds action yeah, definitely without a doubt and with that we got to take our first break danny so folks hang on to your hats we'll be right 
right back with more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Cutting Edge Outdoors, the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer. We got Sam on the board. Uh, Sam, uh, I guess, is going to the Brewers game today, Tom. Oh, well, uh, is this the first one in the playoffs? Oh, no, they won last night or oh, yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's Tom, good. I can't believe you didn't watch the first game last night. No. No, I don't. I well, I couldn't. What do you mean you couldn't? I don't have cable. You don't have cable. No. You don't. Do you have running water there at all? Electricity. <laughs> I got. I got Netflix. I got Disney. I got Amazon. I got a Fire Stick. No, I don't have cable though. You got all those other things you pay for, but you don't have the basic thing where you can watch sports. Actually, I don't pay for them. Oh, oh. So, well, how do you how do you get how do you get? Well, oh, it's all about the free stuff, huh? Yeah. Well, my son Nick, you know, he gets it, and then you can it like if you buy Netflix, okay, you can put it on four devices. They don't have to be in your home. So he has uh, two device two TVs with the Netflix on in his house, and then he gives Netflix to me and Netflix to his uh, in laws. So huh. that's how you. That's how they do it. Yeah. When Lord knows you've got lots of vices for him to put it on. So. No, just yeah. the one. Just the one TV. That's all. You know. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. So, uh, so I, I mean, I, I mean, I can see all the cable stations and everything on, on my Fire Stick and whatever. But, uh, but I just don't have. Uh, but soon, coming soon, I will be able to watch, all the, Brewer games and stuff like that. I'll be able to watch all of that stuff, all the sporting events. You know, like when uh, Wisconsin is not on TV, the Badgers, yeah. I'll be able to watch that. So. Well, how, how are you going to manage that now? Is Nick working that out for you? Yeah, yeah he's getting uh, something to do with AT&T, um, where he gets like 80-some channels for a small amount of money, and, and he can give it to other guys, you know. I mean, yeah. he can put it on... I think he said three or four devices, so I'm getting it. So. All right. Well, oh, we that's got good. an email here. Okay, what do come, we got? This is from Ray. Ray says, hey, guys, I have a shore fishing question. Is there shore fishing available on Lake Danoon or Tishigan? I listen to your show every Saturday. Lots of info and humor. Well, thank you, Ray. We got you fooled, too. <laughs> so, shore fishing on Lake Danoon or Tishigan. None that I know of. Okay. That's kind of um, hard. You know, on these area lakes, it's really hard to find any shore fishing available uh, because all the property is uh, owned and, you know, there's houses on it. Now, like Pewaukee by the beach, they got a big fishing pier, and there's a part of the shore that you can fish from, you know. And uh, there's a few other lakes around that have a small area designated for that but it's tough in southeastern wisconsin you know it is tough well i guess you know one possibility tom would be if a guy got a pair of a, a 
waders or hip boots and wanted to, you know, from the boat launch, just walk in the water and then walk along a shoreline. Once you're in the water, you can pretty much fish wherever you want, I think, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right, except for there's some of those knobs out there who will send their dog into the water around you, you know. Uh, there, are, there are, oh yeah, there are people like that. If you come fishing by their dock, they'll they'll uh, bring their dog out and then they'll throw something out in the water for you know for their dog to retrieve, and uh, they'll just mess it all up for you for fishing wise. Yeah, some people just don't like you fishing around their shore, their dock. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but I'll, I, I'll tell you, well, Ray, I'll tell you what. I can tell this to Ray. We'll put a shout out to all our listeners that if they know. Any shore fishing available on Lake Danoon or Tishigan, they can call us at 414-799-1250. And, uh, but I wouldn't hold your breath, Ray. <laughs> I so wouldn't hold your breath. I, I've heard of Tishigan, and yeah. uh, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that it's kind of a bass lake, isn't it? Um, well, there's everything in it. There's bass yeah. and northerns and panfish, yeah. Okay, how about Danoon? I, I, I don't think same, I've same familiar. Thing. Same thing. Same thing? Yeah, yeah. It's all got all the, you know, the regular species, bass, northerns, bluegills, crappies, perch, you know, stuff like that, yeah. Right. And some of these lakes even have a few walleyes in them, you know. You know, some of our smaller lakes here uh, in southeastern Wisconsin, especially some of the deeper, uh, deep, clearer ones, um, have some big pike in them, surprisingly. There's some big pike, and and I I think some of the guys... uh, actually target them in the winter time uh which i guess is the time to you know really try and get out there and get yourself a big big pike uh the advantage of you if you do get a winter pike if it's a if you're looking for a heavy fish if you want to get that 20 pounder your best bet is to catch that 42 43 incher during the winter time when it's fat and sassy and full of spawn because believe it or not not every 40-inch northern is 20 pounds, much to a lot of people's, uh, you know. No, they're much, not. No, no they're and not. a lot of people seem to equate a 40-inch bike that, oh, that's 20 pounds. Well, not not really. Um, yeah, and, and uh, a summer fish is, you know, even a healthy summer fish that isn't necessarily skinny. Uh, I caught a 42-inch uh, pike years ago in the summer. Uh, and it weighed 17 pounds and it wasn't a skinny fish. It was a healthy looking fish, but they got to be extra fat at that length to be 20 pounds. Yeah. Same, same thing with the muskie too. You know, same thing with them, but it seems like they're usually a little stockier than the pike. Do you find that too? Well, yeah, I guess when you think about it, I've caught some 34 to 35 inch muskies that were real chunksters and as far as pike uh, at that uh, maybe not so much I don't know it's uh, maybe you're right on that a little bit I I don't know I guess I've seen chunky ones the only thing with pike and muskies I will say is this you can definitely tell the different size of the muskie there's like a there's like a step up in class when they go from that mid 30 to maybe just, you know, 36, 37 inch range to all of a sudden that 39 to 42 inch range and that their head, uh, their head just seems to be that much bigger. It just seems to be a different class of animal. Yeah, yeah. 
you know. Yeah, they, so, but then again, you can be faked out too. I've caught some uh, big pike that had big heads, and I could have swore they were 40 inches. And then when you put the tape on them, they're 37 inches. But you got kind of faked out because it had a big head and it was stocky. So sometimes there's kind of a perception type thing. But now is definitely the time to get out and uh, you know target some of those uh, some of those pike. Definitely. Now when you go for the pike. Do you, do you use any live bait at all? You mentioned there's a bunch of no. perch in there. No? No, not even for the Guess what I'm using for the perch? Mini mites. How, how'd you guess that? Yeah, well, I exactly, know. and that's all Got I need lucky. as the mini mites, yeah. Okay. And if, you know, on YouTube, they have uh, these underwater photos, you know, or underwater uh, uh, videos of how fish, you know, grab live bait and artificials. And boy, I'll tell you, perch when they when they grab something, I mean, they suck that baby in in a blink of an, less than a blink of an eye. They, I mean, they, I don't know how they open their mouths so big, but they open their mouths wide and choop right in. I like to call that, or I shouldn't say me, uh, the uh, uh, let's see now, uh, the Kelly's Anil Bait Company. They called it fish vacuum pulling power, meaning that you know when a fish's mouth is closed. Uh, when they open it, water comes rushing in, and whatever is in front of them goes in with it, you know, kind of like just pulling it in. And uh, so they open their mouths fast, that water comes rushing in, and the bait, whatever they're trying to grab, just goes right in. <laughs> you know? Well, it's, we've all seen, Tom, when a big muskier pike, sometimes right at boat side, comes up out of nowhere, gives mm. you a heart attack, and comes in with its mouth wide open and jaws flared and uh you know gills flared and and just sucks a bait right in i think i in fact i i, I as i recall we've seen some pike that sucked the bait and it actually went right through the gill cover uh, oh, yeah. I, I i think there's a suction type thing where that vacuum effect where they suck it into their mouth and it goes out the gills at the same time too yep yeah i could see that definitely Without a doubt. Boy, that's you know a what great... else I could see? What? Do... Oh, okay. This is going to be <laughs> a smooth introduction to a, a smooth <laughs> yeah, I... introduction to a break. <laughs> yep, I know. I could see the bottom of the hour break. So, folks, stay tuned. We got the gut report coming up next. Uh, he's Dan. I'm Tom, and Sam is on the board. Stay tuned. We got a lot more to come. The gut report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, this gut report this week, folks, is a little on the spicy side. No, I'm not talking about jalapenos. This is for fish. Now, this does not work with panfish, so forget the panfish. But bass, walleye, northern pike, salmon, trout, and many ocean fish this works with. It's got to be a thicker fillet. You want to mix horseradish with mayonnaise. Now, mix the horseradish with, to, to, the, to the desired heat that you'd like. And then on the top, add panko breadcrumbs. Kind of push them in a little bit. Then put them in the oven. Put the fish fillets with this stuff on it in the oven and cook until done. I'll tell you what. I tried this with salmon a number of years ago, and it was very good. Recently, I tried it with non-salmon, with some bass. And you know what? It was just as good. So you might want to try horseradish and mayo and panko breadcrumbs and bake them. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you'll find the best price, selection, and service at 51st in Oklahoma and Milwaukee, 
and Main Street in Barstow and Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to DiscountLiquorInc.com. Okay, welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes, cutting edge outdoors. Thanks for listening, getting on board the crazy train today. We always take the moment to uh, thank law enforcement. We support the badge, first responders, healthcare workers, military, uh, for all that you do to keep us all safe. And we also appreciate every one of our listeners, near and far, wide awake or half awake. Uh, I imagine, Tom, you get some people in the morning probably... uh, just turn on the radio softly and and let Tom, your soothing voice, slowly help them come awake. I uh, I'm, no, I'd probably put them to sleep. You know, put speaking of that, of soothing voices, uh, boy, I can't think of his name right now. He he was uh, he had a TV show. He was out of North South Dakota, I think it was. Oh, Tony um, Dean. Tony, Tony Dean, Dean. Yes. Tony and Dean, Tony Lake. Was, he, he, was he talked quite, real smooth and quiet. Yeah, uh, he was Devil's quite Lake, the, South Dakota. Yeah, he was quite the gentleman. North Dakota. What a, a real classy guy. But he had one of those very soothing voices that, I'm sorry, but, you know, watching his show, he'd kind of put you to sleep because he, his, his voice was just so soothing and so nice, you know. I mean, You're right. He was a great guy, but uh, it was kind of like watching golf. Yeah, I'd fall yeah. asleep. <laughs> yeah, asleep I mean, even though sun. he's catching fish in that and and having a good time, but it's just that yeah, just that soothing voice. You know, uh, I I did a couple of shows with him. Oh, you did. I uh, as a matter of fact, he caught his first muskie went on a sucker with me on Pewaukee Lake, and uh, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. That was quite interesting. And then uh, I took him up to the uh, the Fox River up by De Pere, fishing for walleyes up by the dam area, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun doing so, that. So, so was that on televised as well? Yeah, that was on his show. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, you know what? I remember those shows. I, I fell asleep to both of them. Yeah, I know. He's he like I said, he's so he's so smooth, you know. Just well, Tom. Now, Tom, did you did you tell him? Hey, Tony. Yeah, 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 I fall asleep when I watch your show. No, I didn't tell him that. No. Okay, you didn't. Well, you know what was funny when when we did the show on Pewaukee, he he told me he said now, he says when I come in there, he says uh, you you got to have a muskie waiting, to, you know, to re-catch he wanted right, and I thought well, geez, I didn't know about that, you know, and so anyway, so I caught a muskie uh, a couple days before. And I asked Muskie Bill if I could put it down in his minnow tank down down in the basement. He said, "Yeah, put it down there." <laughs> so the the night before, uh, you know, I was going to meet him the next day. The night before, Cheryl, she worked for Muskie Bill. She called me up and she said, "Tom, I got bad news." I said, she, "I said what?" She said, "That Muskie died." And I went, "Oh no!" So Tony shows up in the morning and he says, "So you got a muskie for us to catch?" I said, "Nope, it died." He says, "Oh no." He says, "Oh, I don't know." He says, "You think we're gonna catch one?" And I says, "Yeah, pretty much so." Uh, that was back in the 
mid-late 80s when musky fishing was so easy back then. I mean, to oh. catch them, you know, there was just a lot of them around. And anyway, and so we went out, and sure enough, he he got one. It, was, it wasn't it was that big, uh, maybe about 35, 36 inches, you know, but he got his first legal one on a, on a, on a sucker, so well, it turned out it, all right. It, it, it's funny how, um, it's funny how uh, um, most of you guys with those fishing shows would have one in the can, I guess, or however you'd want to call it, just to make sure, because I guess you got to make sure there's a show, but uh, in a way that's kind of, well, I, that, I that, fa- that, fake, that fakery, uh, I don't know about that. I got to admit, I never did that. I never did, and I never would. No. Uh, I did learn out learn the hard way, though, that, you know, you know, the camera isn't on all the time, you know? So the camera guy, he's just sitting there, and, you know, you're, you're fishing, and all of a sudden you get a fish on, and you say, oh, I got one, there it is. And a lot of times, by the time he gets that camera rolling and focused, you got the fish in the boat already, you know? Right, and, so then, and it happened a few times where, okay, so I realized, okay, I got to slow it down, you know, not drag it in right away. So I'd wait, and then, but sometimes if you wait, the fish gets off, and now you don't have a fish. Now, there were a couple of times uh, that I did do this, and I'll admit this. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't lie about it. I mean, it, all I did was reenact what just happened. In other words... I got the fish in too fast. The guy said he wasn't ready, so I just rehooked the fish, let it go back out, and then recaught it. You know, so. So, so it's so. funny you mention that, Tom, because uh, uh, in the early uh, '90s, uh, Bob Woods of Hoople, North Dakota, was constantly in the In Fisherman magazine, uh, catching pike up to 31 pounds in Lake of the Woods in Buffalo Bay, and in 1998, when. Uh, or 97, 98, something like that, when we, uh, I and my lunkhead buddies drove 15 hours straight and drove seven miles out on the ice. We met him up there and became, you know, pretty good friends there, fished with him for that week, Came, went back the following year. But he had done a, a ice fishing video, which I still have. It's called uh, Pike in the Dead Zone, and he did it with Doug Stangy. And uh, that's where I learned how to tie quick strike rigs and so forth. And and then he's fishing with Bob Woods. And they don't identify the place. Uh, they deliberately shoot it so that there's no cars in the background because they want to make it look as wilderness as possible. But they catch a, a big pike. I don't know how big, but, you know, 40-plus inches. And on the video, it shows the flag pop, and those guys run to it, and they, they throw the tip up on, off to the side, and... You pull the pike right through the ice, just like that, like just <laughs> hardly playing it at all. And I always wondered, and sure enough, Bob admitted to me, oh, yeah, that was staged just like you had said, because they'd caught the fish previously, put it back down the hole, set the tip up, and, 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 and staged the whole thing. So, yeah, it's kind of kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, it's, I would never, like, go out and catch fish ahead of time and then, you know, re-catch them later on i would never do that but if i just if i just caught it but the camera guy wasn't ready i could just make sure but i'll tell you what though sometimes i it happened with when i was with tony dean as a matter of fact he caught a real nice walleye uh normally at, at back back in the 80s uh the fox river they didn't have any real big ones in there 
but they had a lot of those, you know, two, three pounders, four pounders maybe. Well, he got one that was probably five or six, and uh, and he got it in the boat, and the camera guy, his camera guy didn't get it right. And he said, can you do that over? So Tony rehooked it, and he let it back go downstream, and then the camera guy says, okay, I'm ready. So Tony goes to set the hook, and he's reeling and reeling and reeling and reeling. The, the fish got off. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. It was funny. Well, now, Tom, how about the time, though, you talk about you're not going to stage anything? Maybe, maybe being as it wasn't hook and line, it was fair game. When you went to do the smelt segment down in Milwaukee, oh, yeah, and just in case... Funny. You went to the you went to the grocery store and bought some some headless smelt just yep. in case to throw it in the net like people aren't going to look that close. Not only were they headless, but they were clean too. You know, they were <laughs> gutted out. They were headless. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we threw them in the net too. Yeah, we threw them in there. I mean, because smelt fishing wasn't that great down at Bradford Beach that night, and uh, so you had to show something. You know. Well, <laughs> did you have a few live ones flopping around? Oh yeah, with... yeah, we had a few. Yeah, there were there were some, but you know, normally you expect to get a whole bunch in your net, and you know, if you got a dozen, you were happy, you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we did that that one night. That's right, we did that. So <laughs> that was funny. That's a classic. Hey, uh, the big biggest question everybody wants to know: Did you uh, to take the smelt home and eat them after that? Then I mean, they're no, clean as a matter and everything. Of fact, we we cooked them right on the shore. We had one of those Coleman <laughs> stoves. Yeah, we cooked them right on the shore. We I had the I had the breading with us and all that, the batter. Uh, and we cooked them right there. Yeah, cooked them right there. Just right on you the just beach. you just skipped the cleaning segment of the show. You just uh, well, kind of we omitted cleaned, that. We cleaned the ones that were that we actually did catch. Okay, all right. <laughs> we cleaned those. Gotcha. Hey, guess what, folks? It is now time for the awaited hornswoggle. If you haven't won in the last couple months, you could be a contestant. Now, here's the deal. You're going to win. If you if you win, you're going to win a $10 gift certificate to Carl's Country Market. Carl's Country Market is out there in Menominee Falls on the corners of Pilgrim Road and Silver Spring. So, and by the way, they're doing deer processing now. So all through the season, they'll be doing deer processing. So you don't want to forget that. But if you want to be a contestant, you got to call right now. 414-799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. And be the lucky contestant in the Hornschwaggle. Good luck to all of you. Get back on board the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors because we are going down the rails, my friends. I'm Dan Bush along with Tommy the True Neubauer. And right now we have our world famous, and I mean when I say world, I'm not kidding. It's no misnomer. It's the world famous Hornswoggle Contest. Do we have a lucky contestant, Sam? Yes, we do. Today we got Mike in Muskego. Mike in Muskego. How you doing, Mike? Hey, good. good morning, Mike. Mike. Doing great. Doing great. So, you know how this works. Uh, I make the comment, and if I'm lying or BSing you, you say Hornschwaggle. Uh, if I'm speaking the truth, 
it's a no hornswoggle. So here we go. As many people know, uh, Danny Bush likes to squirrel hunt. Even though I haven't squirrel hunted this year yet, and I prefer to shoot fox squirrels that are big as woodchucks. But uh, that's another story. And uh, so here we go. Squirrels. Squirrels are kind of like nature's acrobats. Their tails help them balance, and if they do fall, it even helps them somewhat break the fall with the parachute effect. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? That sounds like a no hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. Okay, here we go. See, you're one out of one, and Sam can't do the ring effect right now, a technical difficulty, so I'll just go ring. There we go. That sounded good. Okay, next one. <laughs> if you... Quiet, Tom. If you cut off a squirrel's tail, it grows back. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? That's a hornswoggle. That's a hornswoggle. Ring. Ding. Okay, so you're two for two. How about the next one? Uh, squirrels are known for liking nuts, but squirrels also love corn and can oftentimes be found in a cornfield up on a cornstalk. Hornswoggle or no hornswoggle? No hornswoggle. No hornswoggle. You're three out of three. Ding, ding, Good ding. Good job, Mike. All right. Ding, ding, ding. There we go. Ring. So you know, you know your squirrels, Mike. Uh, how about you been doing any hunting this fall yet? Not, not any yet. No, no. Not Are yet. you a deer hunter? Not really. I'm not a big hunter. So. Well, so here's the deal. You're going to win a ten dollar uh, certificate uh, to Carl's Country Market. So if you, if you get somebody who gives you some deer meat, you can take the deer meat out there and get some delicious, whatever, barbecue sticks or whatever made and have that $10 certificate towards it. Or you can go on out there and just go ahead and buy some stuff. So either way, I think you'll enjoy that certificate. So leave, uh, leave your address, name, address info with Sam I Am, and I'll get that mailed out to you this week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah, All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. You know, I've never seen a squirrel on a cornstalk. Really? I've never seen that, no. I, I have a couple of times. If you walk the edge of a cornfield uh, where it borders the hardwoods and go real quiet, I have had times where it's almost comical. You'll see the whole cornstalk up ahead, you know, swaying and making all kinds of noise. And then all of a sudden, once that squirrel senses that you're there he'll leap to the ground and off into the woods he goes uh, so uh yeah yeah they'll they'll hit that corn but they all seem to be a little more nervous when they're in the cornfield than even when they're in the uh in the woods but oh yeah and you'll even if if you check around a, a one good way of scouting for squirrels is to uh if they're in an in a in an area go around the big old uh hardwoods trees and if you see, you know, old husks from the corn at the bottom of the trees, well, those are squirrels that uh, hauled them off. I've even seen them. It's kind of comical. Uh, I shot at one one time. I missed the squirrel, but I shot the corn, the husk, the corn cob, shot it right out of his mouth. So it <laughs> <laughs> oh, was a surprise like squirrel. That. Yeah, he didn't like that at all. No, <laughs> he thought you somebody know, put a put an M80 in his corn. Lately, though, I've been... Uh, you know, this is the time of the year when squirrels are digging holes, they're burying nuts, you know, hiding them for the winter and whatever. And I'm getting a little frustrated with some of these squirrels around by me. I, this is the time of the year where you grow your second crop of radishes. And uh, I've got radishes in these pots, and i got some mm -hmm. in the ground. And 
even in the pots, the, the squirrels will hop up on the pots and they'll dig a hole and, and other, they will, they'll wipe out, you know, some radish plants, you know. And uh, I'm getting a little uh, upset with these squirrels around here. Does that mean, Tom, that perhaps some squirrels' lives might be in jeopardy? Uh, it, 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 I, I, I don't want to commit to anything, but you just never know. You just, you just never know. You maybe, never know. Maybe the good Lord will call call one of those squirrels home. It'll be their time. You know, my uncle killed a, his cousin's hamster one time when he stayed at his house. He was in there, and it, it was one of those hamsters that kept getting on a little wheel, going eeky eeky, running oh, all night oh. long. Yeah. So in the middle of the night, he couldn't take it anymore. He got up and he he smothered the smothered the hamster and the next morning his cousin got up and said what happened to my hamster hamster and that's what he told him he says well the the good lord just must have been his time the good lord called him home and told him that he killed his hamster what a horrible story that is that so, is that's terrible what's wrong what was wrong with those people back then i don't know i'll tell you my uh, my grandkids uh, they have each have a pet they got a pet rat you ever see those white rats? Yes, yes. Yeah, they each have a pet rat. One of them is one of them is white, and one of is one of them is white and brown. The white one has got pink eyes. It's scary looking, and I I, I don't know what possessed my daughter-in-law to get them these rats. I mean, these rats are very friendly, you know. I mean, they're you know, but they're rats. So I mean, I keep telling the grandkids. Uh, I said, let me go, let Grandpa go get my, my pellet gun, and uh, let's put the rats out on the grass. I'll take care of them. <laughs> what, a, what a terrible Grandpa I know, you I are. I keep telling them I want to shoot their rats. <laughs> Kids are going to be psychologically scarred. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. You, so. you know what you, you, know what you could do? Oh, boy, this would be me. You better not. This would traumatize the kid. Get like a, a fake little furry little white rat looking something put some ketchup on it and then oh, just kind of oh, come oh. up and say well here's uh here's whatever the name of the rat is you yeah, know get here's... a toy rat and hold it by the tail with the ketchup coming down it oh that would be hilarious yeah you know my dad <laughs> yeah my dad my dad was a joker uh and this probably isn't uh recommended uh but he uh you know when he was on the farm years ago uh, you know, of course, they'd walk right out and go hunting right there on the farm. And and one time he had gotten done helping uh, clean a deer. So his hands were all covered with blood. And just as he walked in the front door, my, my grandmother and, uh, you know, his aunt and relatives were sitting around, mostly a bunch of women. And he walked in and out of the blue, he clutched his stomach with his bloody hands over his stomach bent over and stumbled in and said ralph shot me and he said holy cow the whole the whole living room erupted with women oh, 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 everybody jumping up and running around and freaking and then he's laughing right oh boy I, he didn't get any supper that night i don't think he really he really ticked them off no, on no, that, that one. Actually, that one would have been, would have been very funny, I, th I think. <laughs> yeah, it's funny maybe for him, yeah. but uh, not not for poor old Grandma Bush. And Grandma Bush, you know, she was on the nervous side anyway. 
You know, I always nervous, you know, she was always convinced somebody was going to get killed or, you know, always. Oh, boy, would she worry. We we'd drive up from Green Bay and man, you'd, as soon as we'd pull up after a seven hour drive, she'd be standing there looking out, looking out the window. And and uh, I remember one time my brother, Tim, he drove across middle of winter. He was with my cousin and they drove across the Oliver Bridge in uh, in uh, well, by Oliver, Wisconsin. It's right by Superior. It's an uh, goes right to Duluth, and if anybody's ever been on that bridge many years ago, it was really freaky, Tom. That was a wooden bridge, just wooden. I mean, the, the, it wasn't pavement. It was these heavy, heavy wooden, and it's got a and plus it had a train tracks on top of it, so trains wow. would go over the top. Now you think what kind of structure and strength you need, but you drive on this wooden bridge and it always was kind of freaky because it was real narrow where you pass other cars and it would have this rumbling sound as you're going over the planks. You always thought yeah, you were going to yeah. break through. Well, anyway, it was kind of slippery and there's a sharp corner as you hit the Minnesota side. In fact, they got signs that uh, uh, big trucks aren't even supposed to pass each other there because they can't. And apparently um, my brother or whoever, I think it was my brother driving or my cousin, uh, they, 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 uh, it was icy and they slid into either another car or the, or the wall or the kind of the, the, the side of the bridge. So anyway, we get the phone call, right? And uh, I remember my dad was whispering because he wanted to keep it quiet so my grandma wouldn't know because, you know, like I said, she freaks and she's upstairs and I couldn't believe she must have had ears like you wouldn't believe because dad's whispering downstairs about, you know, the accident. And all of a sudden from upstairs, I hear my grandma, was anybody killed? And oh, <laughs> <yeah>. no. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, <laughs> Minor fender bender. But yeah, poor old grandma Bush. I think later on, she, she kind of claimed that it was um, all my dad's jokes as a kid that terrorized her that that's why she was as nervous as she was so oh, i don't know well she had an excuse for it at least that was yeah. her excuse anyway yeah all right well with that we got to go to the top of the hour break it's 7 a.m on a beautiful saturday morning so folks stay tuned for more we'll be right back in just a couple minutes well folks there's one hour down one hour to go i'm tom newbauer he's dan bush sam schmitz is on the boards and uh we are here this Saturday morning, just like every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m., and this is a live show, so watch what you say if you call us at 414-799-1250, or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Okay, Danny, we're into the second hour now. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad you, you kept track of that and, and, uh, and let me know. Um, I, w I want to mention something about the uh, uh, late fall bass fishing because you kind of were talking a little bit later. I, I got an article in a, one of the magazines. I guess it's an In Fisherman magazine, and they talk about uh, late fall crankbait fishing for big bass, and a, they kind of make it sound like it's kind of like a, a little really known type thing. A lot of people don't do it, but they do it right up until ice out. And they, they do they use these deep diving crankbaits. And I'm just wondering if that's something you've done before. Oh, yeah. Years ago, I did a number of TV shows on that. Um, but yeah, a long time ago, 20 years ago, probably. Uh, yeah, deep diving cranks on the outside weed line edges, deep weed line edges. And you had to get the, 
the the, the deep divers, you know, and uh, and I'll tell you what, it's 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 uh, you can work up a little bit of a sweat, you know, getting those big baits down, making long casts, you know, to get them down there. Um, so, but yeah, it's and it's very effective. And not only do you catch some nice bass, but you you know you hook onto a big pike every now and then too. Right. Hey, I guess we got a caller here on hold, yeah, Tom. Yeah, we got a caller. All right, let's go to Jim in Greenfield. Hey, good morning, Jim. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Jim. I was to you earlier on, on the shape of fish. I had a couple stories I can quickly tell you. Uh, I, I do a lot of trips to Canada. I've been going up there for years, and we're far enough north where it's pretty much walleyes and northerns, a few perch, and uh, spent many a day chasing the, the big northern. And I caught one. The biggest one I've got up there was 47 and a half inches. It was the thinnest fish you'd ever want to see. It had no girth to it at all. Long, but very, very thin. Had a big head, didn't it? Yeah, it had a big head. It did have that. But the body was, you know, a disappointment, let's put it that way. But I guess if you go by size, it was my, my largest. I also took a guy out one time up there. It was his first trip up there. And I've never seen a northern. About, it was about 30 inches long. It was the perfect shape of a football. Just <laughs> unbelievable. You, you, I've never seen a fish look like that before. So I guess they're just like people. They come in all shapes and sizes. Well, normally normally when they have those big heads and small bodies, those are normally fish that are on the downside of life, you know. Uh, they're usually, I mean, I, I've caught a bass and a walleye. Uh, one time I caught a large bass that had a big head and no body. Uh, same thing with a walleye, big head, no body. And these were old fish that, hey, you know, they've seen better days, you know. So pike can be that way too. Yep. I just wanted to share with you guys. All right. Hey, well, thanks for calling. Hey, before you go, oh. you caught that 47-inch pike. What time of year was that? Oh, he's gone. Okay. Hey, sorry about that. That's okay. Oh, that's okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I was going to ask him at what time of year that was because I mean if he caught it right after the spawn, um, yeah, you know yeah. that that would would explain. Although I did catch one in July one time, and it was the same thing. It was like 40, 41 inches, but it was big head, real skinny, and I caught it shallow in shallow water. And I think what happens is I think. Maybe some of the pike aren't as smart as others because um, I think some of them somehow get themselves into kind of a, a stressed situation where they get in, they, they won't leave the shallow water areas and go out where there's a thermocline or whatever, where they, you know, where, where, you know, for bigger pike, they just do better in that. And they just somehow don't feed well uh, when they're in that hot water, summer stress type condition. Now, why a pike wouldn't be smart enough to swim out with the other ones where it can stay fat and sassy, I don't know, but I'm just kind of speculating. Well, one time on Lake Beulah, I caught, it was a 24-inch largemouth bass. I was guiding a couple of people, and I was showing them how to work a, a Zara spook. And I caught this 24-inch bass that had this big head, and I'll tell you what, I don't think that fish weighed, I don't know, three, four pounds maybe. I mean, it should have been well over six, okay? And this thing, I mean, it, it, it looks sickly. And then another time on Pewaukee Lake, I was throwing a white bucktail for muskie, and I got a fish on, 
but at first I'm thinking Muskie right away, but then it wasn't very big. I thought, well, I wonder what this is. Well, I get it to the boat. It was a 27-inch walleye, had this big head, and again, I bet you that fish wasn't three pounds. It just had no body on it whatsoever. Oh, it was it was gross looking. Uh, so, yeah, I've caught a few weird fish. I've never caught a emaciated uh, a pike, although I have. Although on um, um, Big Muskego back in Bass's Bay, guys are catching those pike larger, you know, pike in the thirty-some inch range, mid thirties, that have big heads and skinny bodies. So yeah, thank that. God, thank God, Tom, they got that 40 inch size limit there, huh? Yeah. Hey, oh, my <laughs> goodness. Don't get me started. now. <laughs> Come on, take the take the bait, buddy. Take the bait. Uh, I don't want to get too fired up. I... Speaking. Well, yeah, you know, you don't want to get your blood pressure up to no, this wanna... time, this age time. You just got to take care of yourself. So for the we're ta- you were talking about crankbaits. Uh, deep diving crankbaits. Uh, here's some of the ones that uh, they mention here in the magazine. Of course, there's tons of them. Uh, they've got Rapala DT10 and Rapala DT14. Um, however, um, I don't think those baits were around way back in the day when you were doing your deep cranking. Um, no, I was using. I'm guessing wasn't Pose. Weren't there a lot of Pose crankbaits? Yeah, Bagley's, we... Bagley's, and Pose. Those are the big ones. Yeah. Okay. Now, the other one, I think these are relatively newer companies, uh, Megabass. They got a Megabass Deepex 200 LBO. Do you think they can get it a little bit, make that name a little longer? Jeez, <laughs> the Megabass Deepex 200 LBO. Come on. It's, you know, yeah. sounds like, yeah, okay. Uh, and then they got a Megabass Deepex 300. Well, that sounds good. Megabass, then, uh, Megabass must have been buying some advertising from them. I've and never then, heard of um, Mega Bass crankbaits. Never heard and of them. And then, and then I used to see. Well, you're right. They they definitely do. If you read in Fisherman, they often, uh, you know who their sponsors are. Right. But um, the uh, John used to have the this bait, I believe, in the musky shop years ago. Live Target Perch. Uh, it's a crankbait, and I remember they were very realistic looking. Yeah. And I, I know I've I know I've handled those before. Don't own one, but uh, I've, I've fished with people I'm sure who had the old live target perch. But I'm guessing a number of different deep good crankbaits would work. And you know, one thing I've gotten away from Tom is I used to cast for muskies on Pewaukee using a DB3 or a DB4, a small uh-huh. crankbait, and working it. And, you know, I don't know why I don't do that anymore. Uh, I remember one time I had a client catch a fish on that. And now, for some reason, I'm throwing DB6 or bigger. And uh, as far as trolling, sure, yeah, still, I'm still trolling with some old classic DB4s, um, DB3 mags and so forth. But, you know, that's it's a forgotten thing. And, and sometimes maybe that small crankbait is going to trip their trigger as opposed to the bigger one. So it's something a guy really should do, and uh, and perhaps you know give yourself a chance at multi-species of bass as well. You know, if a person wants to, you know, if they're into it, if they want to paint their own crankbait, over at Sherpers and Hales Corners, they got the Strike King Nude series. They're they're clear, no paint on them whatsoever, and 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 they got the Nude series and all the big deep divers musky size crankbaits and deep divers so um 
can paint your own if you felt like it, you know, if you felt artistic, you know, so. Gotcha. Hey, but I don't know what you would use to paint them with. Bill Schwartz would know that because, you know, he paints his slammer lures. But I don't know what kind of paint you would use on a plastic lure so that well, it there's, would, you know, come off. There's guys now, Tom, you can just pay them to paint your baits for you. Um, I know up, uh, up, uh, Smokey's on the Bay up there, yeah. buddy Tilke, he has some, some guy up there does all this custom painting. So, and, and I've seen ads or, you know, signs down here too. So, uh, I'm sure even, uh, some of our listeners probably know, but of course, you know, somebody like Bill who makes baits, uh, Jim Dembeck makes his own baits as well. Those guys, you know, they, they probably got it down. They can paint their, uh, paint their own baits. Um. Hey, one thing I was going to mention, uh, you know, I had talked about uh, trail cameras, Tom. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went out, bought another trail camera. Now, the trail camera that I had bought way back when before our bear hunt was called the Spy Point Link Micro LTE. And at the time I was complaining because I said, well, they got one that connects with the Verizon network and the other has a combination network of AT&T and a couple of others and i wasn't sure which one i bought well now i've found out that if you if it's the verizon uh, network one it'll say link micro lte v so you know it worked so well i wanted to get another one and uh, a lot of places fleet farm was sold out in germantown but i did go up to uh, cabela's up there and uh, i did find one left and they were regularly 119 on sale for 89. But this is the one that connects with the V Verizon network. So I got it, got it linked up. I did downloaded, did everything I needed to do as far as getting the camera connected to my phone. And I'm going to be setting both up on the farm for deer hunting. I'm going to see if there's any difference as far as uh, getting cell reception and, and connecting. But I would highly recommend if you're looking for an affordable camera, you can buy them online right now for about $119 at the Spy Point website. Um, it's, you know, if you want to get something for, you know, just about 100 bucks, 119 whatever, that really works pretty sharp, I would highly recommend the Link Micro LTE by Spy Point. If a dummy like I can figure it out, anybody can. And, uh, and it, it just takes still photos, but it's not like you're, you know, you're not filming a Hollywood movie here. I don't think you need motion picture, although some of these guys, uh, who knows. But, yeah, just wanted to put in a plug for that because it's really worked well for me on the bear hunt. Huh. Well, that's great. That's good information. And with that, we got to go to uh, a break. Just a couple minutes, folks. Dan and me will be right back, so uh, stay tuned for more of the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. To the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. And if you lose me, Tom, uh, during the commercial break and right before we came back, my app shut down twice and I had to hit the button to reconnect. So uh, all right. if all of a sudden I go dark, you'll know why. All right. I guess we got a caller. Okay. Let's go to Peter in Waukesha. Hey, good morning, Peter. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. What's going up? good. Good. Just wanted to give a little input on your uh, on that mega bass bait that you were talking about. Um, 
I've been using those. I started using those this summer, specifically the EdoVision uh, 110 jerk baits. Yep. And they're they're a little pricier. The jerk baits are twenty twenty five dollars a piece, but I've had considerably and significantly more success with those than the uh, Rapala jerk baits that I've used. They've got little ball bearings in that shifts the weight. The Vision 110 jerk baits they uh, sit suspended at about a forty five degree angle in the water, and the way they jerk back and forth, just I mean I've caught over 15 bass on on about seven or eight times out this summer so if we're, you know i go out for an hour or two and i've had a great success with them compared to the other ones i've used even with offshore fishing which is mostly what i do so i just wanted to give some input and say you know, they do at least the vision 110 uh jerk base do work much better than anything else i've ever used when when you say offshore what do you mean as far well, as i mean uh... like just, just standing on shore casting you know 20 30 yards out bringing them in okay by, like a medium action uh Moderate, uh, medium action, moderate uh, rod with you know fast, uh, big cast fast action. So. Yeah, you, you know what you say is very true. I broke down and bought one of those Mega Bass Vision 110s oh, a couple of years ago for 24.99. Let me tell you, uh, I, I picked it up and set it down five times in the aisle as I debated. I do, I, I will, I won't. I will, I won't. And I got it. And uh, man, I'll tell you, I had to replace hooks on that after a day of fishing smallies up in. Green Bay. Um, I had good luck on the color. I think it's called the Elegy Bone. But then uh, the next year, my best one was the Tennessee Shad. Have you found any color patterns that you prefer? Um, I've used, uh, I think it's Deadly Black Shad I use, and there's Threadfin Shad I've had a lot of luck with too. Threadfin Shad is kind of like a silver with a bluish green, and the Deadly Black Shad is just, you know, just a silver with some black. But yeah, that Threadfin Shad I've had a lot of luck with. It's uh, gotcha. got some, some paint missing from it right now, but I still keep using it. Yeah, the, the, the jerk baits, I mean, they can be highly over overlooked. Uh, my second favorite, I guess, would be a pink uh, X-Wrap. Uh, the X-Wrap seems to work good. And then, of course, they got the Shadow Wrap uh, Deep and Shadow Wrap uh, Shallow, Shadow Wrap Shad. And, and they're much they're cheaper, and I've had times they work as well. But, yeah, you're something about that Mega Bass. Uh, I know Pure Fishing, Berkeley, just came out with a, a new jerk bait. Um, I got some, you know, kind of a uh, email about it, being as I'm on the Pure Fishing Pro staff, and uh, I forget the name of it, but apparently one of the pros uh, actually won a tournament with it. So uh, I'm I'm going to be looking to try and pick one of those up yet. I haven't seen it in the stores, and I, like I said, off the top of my head, I can't remember the name, but it looks similar to a Mega Bass, but uh, uh, it looks like it would be worth using. Another one. Uh, my brother got years ago, I think it was called a squaw minnow, and he that's a jerk bait he picked up down in California at a bait shop, and he caught his biggest uh, biggest smallie on the Bay of Green Bay with, with that, you know, with that minnow. So lots of them out there, and uh, I guess you got to get one of each and try them all, and uh, it's it's great when those smallies or largemouth hit a, hit a jerk bait. Definitely. Thanks for taking my call, guys. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for the info. Appreciate it. Hey, I, I got a I got a little bit of a complaint. Okay, here we go. With, with these lure companies. Okay. Now you go in the catalog. Okay. Well, like uh, I get well, when I was working at uh, Sherpers, I'd get the sports specialist catalog, and I'd be looking to order stuff. And let's say like plastic worms and spinner baits and crankbaits, they got all these weird names. Tequila Sunrise. What the hell color is Tequila Sunrise? Uh, Bluebird Meadow. Are you, what? What is that? You know, I mean, uh, Blackbird. 
oh, really, a blackbird? I have no idea what the hell that is. You know, they have all these weird names for the, the colors of the lures. I wish they would just say what the heck color they are, you know, and just say what color they are instead of giving all these weird names. Because if you don't have that company's catalog to actually match the picture with the name, you have no clue what the colors are, none whatsoever. Now, in plastic worms, you know, we kind of tend to know the top ones, you know, watermelon and all that stuff, you know, June bug. You know, we've seen those, so we know them. But sometimes some of these companies come out with these weird names that it's like, what? As a matter of fact, Strike King, they got a lot of weird names for their crankbaits. And it's like, what are these, you know? What color are they? So then you got to go and order a catalog, you know, get a catalog from the company just so you can see what color they're talking about. I just wish they wouldn't do that. Well, Tom, have you ever ordered fishing lures online and ended up, you know, you're trying to figure out and order the right one and then get the wrong one, the wrong size or the wrong whatever? Well, when I I was making my spinnerbaits, I would sometimes get the wrong size of, like, blades or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, sometimes you get the wrong thing. Well, in today's world now, um, you know, a lot of, lot of stuff you don't, aren't buying it online. I mean, a lot, there's a lot of online shopping for baits right now. And, uh, you know, it used to be you always had to just go to the stores to try and find. So having the online thing is nice, but you know, product on a lot of things, um, you you know, with this whole COVID and stuff like that, there's still been some shortages on getting certain things. Oh yes, there sure is. And, and I found out one of the reasons why there's shortages on a lot of these lures and, and fishing items and that is because a lot of them come from China. And there are all these ships, all these container ships, sitting out in the Pacific Ocean off of the coast of California waiting to come in to get offloaded. But the problem is, is number one, they don't have enough workers working in the yards and number two, they don't have enough truck drivers to drive this stuff away. So they got all these ships sitting out there in the ocean, you know, just off the shore of California, waiting to come in to offload, but they can't because there's not enough people to take the stuff. It's, it, 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 it's a big pain. But aside from that, Danny, we got a question for you. We got a Patrick is writing a, a, an email to us. It says, good morning, guys. I have a question for Danny. Do you do anything with the meat? Of course we do, Patrick. We eat it. Uh, anyway, do you do anything with the meat or the hides from the squirrels you take? I'm also a landowner a landowner in Douglas County, Solon Springs area, truck driving home from Iowa. Love the show. Keep up the, the good work. And that's from Patrick. So, Danny, what do you do with the meat and the hides? Uh, yeah, so it's Patrick, right? Well, yeah, Patrick, thanks for yeah. yeah, thanks for listening, Patrick. I love Solon Springs. That's a beautiful little, you know, little area. I often, uh, often thought if I retired, I thought I might buy a little house up there or something. But guess I'm enjoying it down here too much. But as far as the squirrels, um, I uh, I keep the meat. And uh, now I've gotten lazy in recent years where I kind of like to keep the back legs. Kind of like a guy just keeping the breasts out of a grouse or a pheasant. 
and I do I do enjoy eating it. In fact, I like it better than I than than uh, than rabbit. Last time I had them side by side, I was surprised that I much I and my buddy Jeff too, bear hunting partner, um, buddy. He uh, he preferred he was there at that wild game feed with me, and we both said we like squirrel better. As far as the uh, hides, you know, years ago when I was a lunkhead kid, I skinned a fox squirrel, and I and my brother tried to tan it. We used this uh, muriatic acid method to tan it, and we didn't flesh it good enough. And so basically, it was tanned and preserved all right, but it was like cardboard. You could grab it by one. It was like this laid out flat hide and you could you could grab it by one paw and it was like it would stick straight up in the air it wasn't like a sop supple supple type of uh, uh, leather or skin but uh, I think we did that with a gray squirrel and a fox squirrel but since that time nothing now I like I used to again I'd be kind of a lunkhead and I'd take the tail out and put it on the antenna of my truck and so years ago, I'd, I'd put a fox squirrel tail on my truck and a gray squirrel tail on, uh, on the uh, antenna of John Lehman's truck. And that's actually kind of funny because you'll still see that once in a while. When I grew up in Green Bay, that was fairly common. And people also would put like bright orange styrofoam balls on the top of their antenna because back in the day, the snow would be so deep that if you a car was backing out of, a, out of a driveway, you wouldn't be able to see it unless you see the squirrel tail, you know, moving above the snow. So, uh, so yeah, I guess that's about the most I do with the squirrels. All right. Um, uh, there was something I was going to, oh, geez. You know, it's terrible. I get these thoughts in my head. You know, I've always said, Danny, that I should have a, a tape recorder or something to take notes, you know. Well, you know, Tom, well, I'm talking, I, you know, I'm spitting in the wind on this one, but, you know, if you get one of these newfangled phones, I think you can do that right yeah, on they, the phone. Yeah, do have that availability. But right now we got to go to the bottom of the hour break. And when we come back, I have a question for Sam. So hopefully I'll be able to talk to Sam after this break. i got a question for him. So, folks, stay tuned. we got an interesting question coming up. All right? So uh, that's about it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. And I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer. And I believe we've got a caller uh, there, Sam. Uh, who we got? Let's go to Keith and Wawatosa. Morning, Keith. Good morning, Keith. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. Doing good. Um, I listen to your show a lot, and I heard you guys talk about, uh, you know, uh, you, Tom, about trying to film fish underwater. And I recalled, I don't know how many years ago this was, that they were selling these underwater cameras. I don't oh, yeah. know if it's for ice fishing or otherwise, and I never knew, you know, were those successful to people think it's unsportsmanlike, um, just a, or what do you, I guess I'm a bit interested in your opinions and understanding of that. Well, no, they're very, they're very successful. I mean, it's very interesting to watch. As a matter of fact, though, I mean, I don't own one, but I've been in, a, in a boats with guys who do own them, and you spend more time watching than you do fishing because it's so interesting 
to watch the fish down there. But you got to remember one thing. You might see the fish, whether it be on a camera or on your locator or whatever, but you just can't make them bite. You know, you still got to get them to bite, right? So, uh, uh, Yeah, I would guess that's exactly true. Yeah, so, if I uh, had a nickel for every one I saw that I didn't catch, boy, I'd be a wealthy guy. But the thing is, is uh, yeah, those ca- cameras are pretty cool. And, yes, yeah. you, know, you can you find fish, yeah. you know, where they are and doing whatever they're doing. Uh, yeah, it's, they're they're pretty cool. They're they're pretty neat. But you spend too much time watching instead of fishing. And do you, what, I guess you watch on your on your camera or your uh, phone? Oh no, no, it's got a regular it's got a regular little TV screen. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. So like well, a little mini a little TV screen. Yes. Yeah. At the, that's at pretty the time, neat. I thought it'd be a neat toy, but that was a long time ago. Well, it is. It is. Uh, I mean, yes, you can find fish with it, you know, uh, but it's also very entertaining. Yeah, it is. Okay. So that's well, thank it. you, guys. Sure. Good take care, Keith. All the time. Regular listener. All right. Oh, well, all thank right. you. Thanks, Appreciate thanks for that. calling. Okay. Sam, are you there? Yes, I am. All right. I got a question for you. Now, we didn't talk any Packers, so that's okay, but there was a game on Thursday night. And uh, Los Angeles Ram punter, he punted the ball twice, and one time, and the second time he did it, he was over the line of scrimmage. Why did they? Why did the refs let that go? So no, okay. So here's the thing: I'm still very confused by the whole situation because it doesn't make it that much better when you have the official on TV saying that it's one thing, and then the refs on the field calling it another. Yeah, they said, yeah, the guy on TV said Ferreira, I think his name is. Yeah, Mike Ferreira. Yeah, Yeah. he said, no, that's not legal, and then the official said, yeah, that was fine. (laughs) So, apparently, apparently you can, you know, punt it twice behind the line of scrimmage, you you know, after you advance it and all that. Because it got blocked, it was technically still behind the line of scrimmage, even when he advanced it, you know. He never officially crossed the the line of scrimmage, which is why he could still punt it. Actually, they showed it in slow motion that night, and he he was over the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he was. I, I don't know. By, 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 I think it was by one yard he was. Something but, I've never he, seen in my life. And I, I'm sure that the refs were probably boggled, too, at the moment. And, you know, I, yeah, I don't they know, were. man. So, and the other thing, the other, I got one other question for you. Uh, who are the bad, are the Badgers playing today and – who are they playing? I believe they're playing Illinois. Okay, and that's at eleven o'clock as usual. I don't, I'm not a huge Wisconsin Badger fan to be honest. I know I got to you know we should be aware of all teams, but Wisconsin is like probably the least of my uh, knowledge. Of, but I do know they're playing Illinois. They're playing oh, okay. at uh, well, Tom. Uh, they're they're actually playing their old coach Brett Bielema. Oh, is that right? Yep, he's now he took over for Lovey Smith down there. Oh, okay. They're playing at two well, thirty. Yeah, the, the Badgers have not been very good this year, so. No. Well, you know, uh, you can't be good all the time. No, and, that's uh, true. And that's I guess true. that their quarterback just started playing good last week, and then he got hit. So apparently their offensive line isn't the greatest. If he goes into, you know, five, six, seven foot, seven, you know, step drops, he ends up getting killed back there. He has to do the short rhythm stuff, then he's really good. But now he's hurting out this week, so. Oh, well, and we don't have a Jonathan Taylor or a Ron Dane or uh, yeah, some of the other, true, yeah. Melvin Gordon and some of those guys anymore. 
Yeah, and the Packers are playing uh, an improved Cincinnati team this uh, Sunday. Yeah, and I was listening to the big show, and uh, I forget who it was. Maybe Sam would know, but one of uh, one of the guys was had some fear and trepidation. They really worried about our secondary and their receivers. So, I don't know. I I always have fear about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I'm always uh, worried. Quick announcement here from yeah. Muskies Inc. I guess I gotta mail in my renewal and renew my membership here soon. But uh, here, this is came. It says just wanted to uh, give everyone a heads up concerning our stocking of Leech Lake muskies into Pewaukee Lake. Oh, we wow. have received yep. We have received confirmation that the fish will be delivered on Thursday, October 14th at 3 p.m. They're going to be delivered to the launch by Smokies. Uh, the musky shop over there, which used to be the musky shop, but I guess it still is a musky shop after all that last spring. Uh, fish will be put into a pen to be tagged and fin clipped. Then we will need some volunteers who would like to help distribute these fish into the lake. If you would like to be a part of this, contact Bob uh, Petsy at Robert Pets. It's supposed to be Petsky, I believe. Robert Petsky uh, at yahoo.com or I guess he won't mind me giving the cell number if you want to help volunteer and uh, uh, distribute some fish 262-442-6260 give him a call and get out there on the lake and uh, maybe go spread some of those muskies around you can drop them off right in front of my place here well that's not going to help anyway too small and they'll be gone by the time they're big enough for me to fish but I think it'll be great Tom because Leech Lake, that's a pretty big growing strain of muskies, and uh, I think that'll just help, you know, help the lake, definitely. Aren't the Leech Lake muskies the spotted muskies? Correct, yeah, yeah, you're right. So uh, I've had, over the years, I've had reports of a few guys here and there catching a rare miscellaneous spotted muskie out here. Uh, now, whether or not that's one that got mixed up in some stocking or whatever, but I have seen some some spotted ones where you look at the picture and you go, by God, that's a spotted one. Um, but, you know, as, as far as, you know, it's interesting. You And this kind of brings up something you were talking about with uh, Tony Dean and how you, you know, could go out there in the 80s or whatever and really be pretty confident you were going to catch a muskie. I remember one of the, the the first guide I ever hired was Tom Wizzy Wisniewski. Uh and Wizzy took myself and I took our our bass probe, my buddy Ron Johnson, out. And I mean, back then I just owned a little aluminum boat, and he just took us out, and it was pretty much a no-brainer, Tom. We fished from like Chester Island all the way to Taylor's Bay, and then down the shoreline. Uh, into the narrows a little bit and just work back and forth, just fishing shallow weeds, throwing bucktails. And, of course, Wizzy did make a pretty good bucktail, the Wizzy tail, which he had that uh, tinsel in the back, which was a pretty good attractant. And, I, I mean, we had 17 follows that morning. We didn't catch a one of them, but we had 17 follows. And later I got in my little aluminum boat and went right back out there with Ron and uh, caught a 30-inch or something like that and continued to get follows. So... It, you're right. It used to be nothing to go out there and get half a dozen, dozen follows, and it wasn't like it was anything, you know, extra out of the ordinary. 
but it just doesn't seem to be that way anymore. Do you, do you think that it was the density of the muskies was just that much more? Were they just putting so many more muskies in there or, or what? What would you think? Yeah, I think there just was a lot more muskies of a certain age class because it seemed like uh, at that, I mean, there were always big muskies in the lake, but I think at that time, the lake, I would call it a action lake. Well, you, you, you are right, of, be, yeah. because all those follows all were, you know, maybe, you know, 30 to maybe 35, 36 inches. I mean, a lot of small ones. There are a lot of cookie cutter, but you'd get all kinds. And I guess if you get a lot of them of that same year class, I guess it can be a competitive type situation where if you get a whole bunch of them on a, in a certain area that they're getting kind of aggressive, more like pike, and that they're, they're competing. In fact, that's why I've heard they say as far as pike being more willing biters, well, one of the reasons I've heard is that the density of pike is generally higher and they have to be more aggressive in order to compete with the other ones, whereas musky density isn't that high. They don't have to be as aggressive to compete. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've heard. Yeah, well, that might be. I'm, You know, there, there's a lot of things about fish that we know, and there's a lot that we don't know, and so uh, not sure what, what that would be. But, yeah, back then, um, it was fairly easy to catch muskies. I mean, I mean it, it isn't easy. I mean, it's not hard now. You can still catch them, but it just doesn't seem as easy right now. Maybe it's because there's so many darn, darn muskie anglers out there. That That's might be true. it, too. So, anyway, we got one last break coming up. The last break of the Wacky Walleye's Cutting, cutting Edge Outdoors coming up right now, folks. So, Stay tuned. If you got any questions or comments, you can always call us at 414-799-1250 or email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. We'll be right back. It's the Welcome back to Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are on the final uh, stretch on the crazy train today. Thanks for getting on board and taking a ride with us. And uh, Tom, last week we were talking about uh, trichinosis in hogs and bears. Do you recall? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I got a new book. You know, I went out to uh, buy my new Spy Point camera, and there I passed by the the, uh, book counter there at the Cabela's and I had to buy another book on black bear hunting not like I don't have enough of them but the ultimate guide to black bear hunting by uh, Douglas Bose and uh, they talk about the trichinosis thing and it says you know we kind of talked about this before but it says you can uh, uh, get rid of it avoid it by freezing the meat at sub-zero temperatures for more than 30 days so that's one thing that they recommend. Uh, although I have read that if you got like a big giant hunk of meat, that maybe it doesn't freeze deep down in enough. I don't know. Um, but I was going to ask you, Tom, is your, is, uh, is your normal f- kitchen freezer, that's sub-zero temperatures, right? I've never actually, you know, spent the night in a freezer, but they, they've got it. Is a freezer at sub-zero? I don't think it's below zero, no. No, I, I okay. think it's like, uh, I, you know, for some reason I'm thinking it's like 20 degrees or something like that. 
Okay. So it's 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 below. I mean, excuse me. It's below freezing, but maybe not below zero. Well, they got settings on them too, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so I wonder if you dial it up to level ten. I'm thinking, but anyway. Uh, I suppose if you wanted to try that method, just wait for re- regular Wisconsin weather. Throw, throw the meat in the back of your truck for the month of January and February, and you're, you know, you'll freeze it then. Uh, I, or I, it says, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say I still wouldn't feel safe. I'd still want to cook it thoroughly, you know. Right. Well, done. well what, the, what they say is uh, proper cooking time is about 375 degrees Fahrenheit for 20 to 25 minutes per pound. And to use a meat thermometer to ensure that the internal cooking temperature reaches 160 degrees for three minutes or more before eating. Um, Now, I've never used a meat thermometer. You have. But uh, one thing, if you don't have the thermometer, it says cook until there is no pink meat or juice coming from the meat especially around the bones. You know, I shot a bear in 88 that was in Canada, and nobody ever told me anything about, you know, trichinosis in bear, and I just had it all made into burger, and we made stews out of it. Uh, I I made burgers on the grill, but looking back, I I did cook rather thoroughly. So I did did cook it thoroughly, but never had any problems with it. But uh, I guess it would help probably to have have that thermometer with you yeah and you know i'll tell you what they're very inexpensive you go to any grocery store just about and they've they've got them for sale for like five six bucks you know they're inexpensive they're instant read uh yeah it's 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 a good thing to have can you shove it into a steak on the grill can you shove it into a burger uh yep Put it into anything, chicken, steak, pork, whatever, any, anything, you know. It, but, if, but if you shove it while it's on the grill, it, aren't you going to get heat from the grill itself, giving you a false uh, false not, result? Not necessarily, because you're sticking it in the middle of the steak. So and, okay. and it's going to tell you what the middle of the steak is, you know. Okay, I got you. Not what the well, outside of the steak is, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I we didn't, uh, Jeff's going to still try and get a bear. He's up... Uh, hunting around some friends now in the Bayfield area. And like I said, he, he passed up a couple small ones. Actually, those would have had some, excuse me, some real nice tender meat if we'd taken one of those young ones. Um, but I enjoyed the bear when I shot it. Uh, those, you know, the, 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 the ground was good. I enjoyed it. It had kind of a sweet taste, and it was great. Put it on the grill and put some barbecue sauce, and I'd have a barbecued bear burger. Got a great recipe in this book, though. Uh, that really sounds good, Tom. They got an, uh, and you're the f- cooking connoisseur, if that's the correct word. I can't even spell it. Uh, brown sugar bear chili. Brown sugar bear chili. And I'll run some of these ingredients by you and see uh, if these are any ingredients you've used. Now, uh, minced garlic, diced tomatoes, uh, black beans, red beans. Brown sugar, chili powder, garlic salt, pepper, water, and grated cheddar cheese. Any of those ingredients sound familiar, Tom? Oh, yeah, I've used them all. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it sounds good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, when you're cooking wild game, I think one of the things that a guy should end fish, uh, I guess that's wild game, uh, it doesn't hurt to try and be creative 
and experiment with different spices and so forth. There's so many different types of things out there that uh, there's probably a new recipe looking to be discovered every day if somebody just is willing to think outside the box and throw some different things in there. Exactly. Yeah, because it's amazing how many different spices there are. And, you know, some of them you might like, some of them you might not like, you know. So it's like uh, fennel. I'm not a big fan. Uh, I'm not a fan of fennel because it tastes like black licorice. But yet, in Italian sausage, there are fennel seeds in Italian sausage, which actually taste very good. Okay, but it's incorporated with other seasonings. So, I suppose you know, I suppose you got to try it. You know, to see if it, you like it, it. It's funny, you know. You mentioned fennel. I wouldn't have known what that is, but I, I like you. I've never been a fan of black licorice. Yeah, no. so and that's probably, and that's what fennel tastes like. Okay. But, then but, I... yet, but yet, in Italian sausage, it tastes good in Italian sausage, you know, because it, 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 it mingles with the other spices that it comes up with a good flavor then. So. You know, perfect so. example of thinking outside the box is when I made all those brown trout recipes for you and yeah. John years ago yeah. at the studio, yeah. and I just pulled the one out of my butt where I crumbled up the bar the barbecue Pringles and yep. uh, came up with the best one I've ever had so yeah get out there and uh, experiment and you know I, I don't understand some people who hunt and just want to give all the game away I for me part of still enjoying my big buck that's on the wall or my bearskin rug or whatever is uh, having the meat and enjoying it and thinking about the hunt. Yeah, you know, when I did hunt, I always felt if I'm going to kill it, I'm going to eat it. It's as simple as that. And at least with fishing, you don't have to kill it. You can release it, you know, so once you catch it. But with animals, you know, once you shoot it, you know, I mean, I don't understand these guys who shoot deer and then just saw off the rack and leave the deer. I don't understand that at all. No, no. I mean that. I mean that's not definitely. No, it's not right. Not, not right. right. Another thing, you know, I've never understood how somebody could go out and uh, poach a deer or whatever game animal, fish, catch it out of season, and then be all proud of themselves and and try and break it up. You know, if you don't do it legally and fair chase and do it the, you know, do it within the regulations, how can you possibly feel good about it? You know, even if. You know, guys will go out in the middle of the night and shoot a big buck in the field. Ask the DNR. They got the wall of shame all yep, the time. Yep, yep, yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's about that time, Danny, isn't it? I, I think so, and there's some technical things. I don't know if we're going to have our bumper music to end, but uh, with that, uh, I guess I'll just say uh, that's all I got. And uh, you've been listening to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We'll talk to you all next week, my friends. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.